0: Follow the TIS formula For most introductions, the TIS formula serves as a handy guide in organizing the facts you have collected in your research 1. T stands for Topic. Start your introduction by giving the exact title of the speaker's talk 2. I stands for Importance. In this step, you bridge over the area between the topic and the particular interests of the group Three. S stands for speaker. Here you list the speaker's outstanding qualifications, particularly those that relate to his topic. Finally, you give his name distinctly and clearly. There is plenty of room in this formula for using your imagination. The introduction need not be cut and dried. Here is an example of an introduction that follows the formula without giving the effect of a formula at all. It was given by a New York City editor Homer Thorne when he introduced a New York Telephone Company executive, George Welwom, to a group of newspaper men and women. Our speaker's topic is the telephone serves you. It seems to me that one of the world's biggest mysteries like love and horseplayers persistence is the mystery of what happens when you make a telephone call, why do you get a wrong number, Why can you sometimes make a call from New York to Chicago quicker than from your own hometown to another town just over the hill? Our speaker knows the answers and all the others to telephone questions. For 20 years, it has been his job to digest all sorts of details about the telephone business and to make this business clearer to other people. He is a telephone company executive who has earned his title by work. He will speak to us now about the ways his company serves us. If you are feeling friendly toward the service today, look at him as a patron saint. If you've recently been annoyed by your telephone, let him be a spokesman for the defense. Ladies and gentlemen, the vice president of the New York Telephone Company, Mr. George Welbold. Notice how cleverly the introductory speaker gets the audience thinking about the telephone. By asking questions, he excites their curiosity and then indicates that the speaker will answer these questions and any others the audience may have. I doubt that this introduction was written out or memorized. Even on paper, it sounds conversational and natural. An introduction should never be memorized. Cornelia Otis Skinner, was once introduced by a chairman of the evening whose memorized words she forgot as she began she took a deep breath and then said due to the exorbitant piece or prize of a mural beard we have with us this evening miss cornelia otis skinner the introduction should be spontaneous and seemingly arising out of the occasion not straight laced and severe in the introduction of mr welcome quoted There are no cliches such as It gives me great pleasure and it is a great privilege to introduce to you The best way to present a speaker is to give his name or to say I present and give his name Some chairmen are guilty of talking too long and making the audience restive. Others indulge in flights of oratorical fancy in order to impress the speaker and the audience with a sense of their importance. Still, others make the sad error of dragging in canned jokes, sometimes not in the best taste, or of using humor that patronizes or deprecates the speaker's profession. All of these faults should be avoided by the man who is desirous of achieving the purposes of an effective introduction. Here is another example of an introduction that closely follows the TIS formula and yet has an individuality all its own. Note especially the way Edgar L. Schneidig bends the three phases of the formula as he introduces the distinguished science educator and editor Gerald Wendt. Science Today, our speaker's topic is a serious business. It reminds me of the story of the psychopathic patient who suffered from the hallucination that he had a cat in his insides. Unable to disprove this, the psychiatrist simulated an operation. When the man came out of the ether, he was shown a black cat and was told his troubles were over. He replied, I'm sorry doctor, but the cat that is bothering me is grey. So it is with science today. You reach for a cat called U-235 and you come up with a flock of kittens called neptunium, plutonium, uranium-233 or something else. Like a Chicago winter, the elements are overpowered. The alchemist of old, the first nuclear scientist on his deathbed, begged for one more day to discover the secrets of the universe. Now scientists produce secrets of which the universe never dreamed. Our speaker today is one who knows about science as it is, and as it may be. He has been a professor of chemistry at the University of Chicago, dean of the Pennsylvania State College, director of the Battelle Institute of Industrial Research at Columbus, Ohio. He has been a scientist in the government service and editor and author. He was born in Davenport, Iowa, and received his professional degree at Harvard. He completed his training in war plans and has traveled extensively in Europe. Our speaker is author and editor of numerous textbooks in several sciences. His best-known textbook is Science for the World of Tomorrow, published when he was director of science at the World's Fair in New York, as consulting editor to Time, Life, fortune and march of time, his interpretation of scientific news reached a wide audience. The Atomic Age, by our speaker, appeared in 1945, ten days after the bomb hit Hiroshima. His pet phrase is, the best is yet to come, and so it is. I am proud to present, and you will be happy to hear, the Editorial Director of Science Illustrated, Dr. Gerald Wendt. Not many years ago, it was a kind of oratorical fashion to overpraise the speaker in the introduction. Bouquets of flowers were heaped upon the speaker by the chairman. The poor speaker was often overwhelmed by the heavy odor of flattery. A popular humorist, Tom Collins of Kansas City, Missouri, told Herbert Prochnow, author of the Toastmaster's Handbook, that it is fatal to a speaker who intends to be humorous to promise his audience they soon will be rolling in the aisles with uncontrollable mirth. When a Toastmaster begins to mumble about Will Rogers, you know you might just as well cut your wrists and go home because you are ruined. On the other hand, don't underpraise either. Stephen Leacock recalls the time he had to respond to introductory remarks that ended in this manner. This is the first of our series of lectures for this winter. The last series, as you all know, was not a success. In fact, we came out at the end of the year with a deficit. So this year, we are starting a new line and trying the experiment of cheaper talent. May I present Mr. Leocock. Mr. Leocock dryly comments, judge how it feels to crawl out in front of the audience labeled cheaper talent.